Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, the official podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. This is episode 54.5, bringing the world closer to you. We're going to be taking you back uh, to a visit to FutureCom in Communicore West uh, with two very special guests. But before we get to that, sitting in with me tonight... Uh, Mr. Hal Bowers, how are you doing tonight, Hal? Aloha, Todd. How are you doing? Good. Now, I know you've you kind of got uh, some affinity for this, uh, well, what's now, unfortunately, the entire building's destroyed, but because uh, we're, we're talking about music tonight. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. I'm so excited to be able to talk to these folks. Yeah. This is, I've been looking forward to this for the last month. So we are going to talk tonight, just shortly here, we're going to talk to Tom Tierney. Uh, he is a composer and lyricist. He uh, penned the song Bringing the World Closer to You at the pavilion, uh, FutureCom Pavilion over at Communicore West. And uh, we're also going to bring on the line uh, Lisa Bastoni, who, uh, if you were at our Retro Magic event, she sang the song because her connection to that pavilion is that her grandfather and uh, uh, with <clears throat> her grandfather and grandmother worked on create, helping to create the Age of Information exhibit where the song played. So uh, let's dial up the phones and we'll get Tom and Lisa on the line. And uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. And uh, we also have bringing back is uh, Lisa Bastoni. Her grandfather, Walter Einzel, was the set designer and uh, of Americana folk art, so to speak, that did all the designing uh, of that exhibit. And Lisa, you sang the song Bring the World Closer to You uh, at our Retro Magic event back in October. And you've been on one of our previous podcast episodes before. So welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Lisa actually posted a, a video of about two years ago, year and a half ago, of the Age of Information exhibit. And um, because we restore videos, I said, oh, man, we can clean that up a bit and do something with it. And before you know it, she and I started talking. I'm like, whoa, you're the granddaughter of, you know, the the people who designed that. And there was so much, so little information about this years ago. So uh, long story short, we we got talking to Lisa. We put her on a mini episode like we're doing here. Um, she's a singer-songwriter, and we invite her down for Retro Magic, and she sang your song in front of 350 people, so we might owe you a dollar oh, fifty-two wow, royalties. <laughs> so, um, and you know, so so it's really been a it's been an interesting little side story of this small part of a, of a larger attraction that over time people forgot, but here we are piecing all the pieces together and how you, how has a musical background as well. And you did all sorts of music searches. You couldn't find anything about Tom. I was using the wrong title. I searched (laughs) ASCAP and BMI and everything for 
for the age of information instead of bringing the world closer to you. And I'm now I feel like an oh, idiot. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I think that is the official name that the copyright is on. Yep. Exactly. I'm like, if I just would have searched on the other thing, I probably would have found you three years ago, I but see. like, it just never occurred to me. <laughs> and, and uh, I have to ask, hi, Lisa. Oh, nice to meet hi. you. Um, I, I presume that the video that you, that you found or that you had included my song or did it not? It w- it did include the song. It was a video yeah. that okay, I good. think was made by Epcot of the song yeah. on the right. exhibit. Yeah, that was brought to my attention somehow through, you know, somebody else who had been there like around the opening in, in the eighties and liked it and somehow discovered it and then sent it to me because he knew me through somebody else and I mean, <laughs> you know, and so I was I was glad to see it, but I don't have I don't have instant access to to the video but i i you know i you know i, I know i did see it and it was great well, well we'll definitely get you a link to that and, and a, a copy of uh, lisa's rendition of the song too because it's uh oh I, all I, right I, I want her to re- i want her to record it in the studio it was it was done live but <laughs> at least i think you gotta record it <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about tonight um we definitely want to maybe give some of our listeners the background on uh the future comp pavilion which was over in communicore west which sadly I, I think we have to report here that uh the photos coming out of epcot center in the past week have shown just a steel structure of that area so it is unfortunately being demolished i'm watching how you, how you're rubbing your eyes are you i am rubbing I'm, tear- tears? I'm tearing up yeah you're <laughs> So well, you can uh, imagine how I felt after they stopped uh, running the song and changed it to, I think it was video games after 10 years. They ran it for 10 years. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. In, in Communicore West, uh, there was a exhibit by Bell Systems, which later became AT&T, called Futurecom. And in there we had the, the uh, fountain of information and uh, the world key information system was there. But one of the exhibits uh, was the, called the Age of Information, which was... Uh, a very uh, it was a automaton almost how you could say a uh, robotic what would you how would you classify it? I, I would say if it was a it was a mechanical uh, display kind of kind of like what you would see you know in um, uh, store windows at Christmas time mm-hmm. you know back yeah, back yeah. in the sixties and the seventies but on a massive scale so uh, if you picture something that's about fifty feet long and probably about 30 or 40 feet high with these wonderful folk art styled, uh, uh, very earthy, very organic, um, sort of encapsulations of the ideas, uh, of each of the different sections. The, that's, that's what you got to see. So you would come over and there was a, as we'll talk about, there were different sections of the song and in each lyric of the song was kind of represented by, um, one of these mechanical devices. So there was, there was a, a family, a mom and a dad and a son, I believe. And it was, it was fascinating because like their chests would open up and little figures would come out mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. were people working on, you know, people working in, in an office. There was a, a whole Ferris wheel of little characters that were in the office of the future and all kinds of wonderful stuff. So you just, you'd kind of come mm-hmm. over and you'd, as the song would play, the lights would come on and light up a certain section, whatever they were talking about. And, and this, the area would spring to life and you would stand there and listen to the song and watch, watch it and, and basically take in what became our life today. Yeah. <laughs> per- yeah. Perfectly, yeah, perfectly true. described yeah. in 1982. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think that's kind of my first question is that, you know, Tom, 
I'd love to hear the background of how you were challenged with this and what did you, <laughs> what were you given by Bell Labs? Um, you know, Bell Labs came out of what, Columbia University. There were a lot of high tech things going on there at the time. Um, so we'd love to understand a little bit of the backstory before we even get to the song and the lyrics, which. And how your relationship with AT&T started that brought you, or the Bell system started that brought you sure. to the job and, and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they actually did commission me to do it. I had done some other work for, uh, for AT&T and for New York Telephone, which it, when I was doing work for them, they were still part of. That was before the Bell system was uh, you know, uh, broken apart. Yes. Uh, but uh, so I worked for, uh, for New York Telephone and done some you know, traveling exhibits, uh, original music and lyrics for, for that. And they, the people there remembered me. And when they were developing this exhibit, you know, uh, at Epcot, they called me and said, you know, we'd love for you to write, write a song to illustrate, uh, some of these new advancements in, uh, in telecommunications. And so I spent quite a bit of time, you know, they, they would put me together with the, some of the technical people and who were developing these things. And, you know, I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of literature, you know, to, to, to go through, <laughs> to try to pick, you know, to pick what, what to do. And also, I think at the same time, they, they knew they wanted to divide it into those sections, you know, the home, the office, the tra- transportation, and we're working with, um, with the Einzels um, on that. So we, were, we kind of worked together, you know, knowing what it was going to be. And then they said, well, we'll start the song with the home, and then, you know, people will be walking that direction, I believe. And uh, so that's basically how, how it went. But I did spend quite a bit of time you know, getting all this information about new, you know, new inventions and new developments in, in the communications. And uh, I just recently listened to the song again, and I was kind of amazed myself. <laughs> we're doing all these <laughs> things, you know, and we weren't then. In 1982, we weren't doing, we were doing hardly any of it. You know? Now, did, did Answering did machines, they, yes. Yeah, did they walk you through any of their labs, or did they kind of guide you on, hey, this is something we're working on? Or, or was this your own imagination at work with just kind of an idea of the future well they, they they gave me a lot of written literature and talked to me i don't remember whether i i might have visited bell labs um I, I but mainly they probably gave me a lot of literature and talked to me a lot about mm-hmm. about it and said you know these are the important things we're developing and um you know and then left it to me to figure out how to how to uh put it into a lyric and, and with the music with, with the rhymes and so forth and so on. But, uh, um, it was, it was a fun project and, uh, and they, they bought a 10 year license to, to, you know, exclusively run, have had the song for 10 years. And so I can remember my lawyer at the end of the 10 years called, called AT&T and said, well, you know, Mr. Tierney is here, and if you're going to run it some more, you know, we'd like to have to renegotiate. <laughs> I said, well, no, you know, guess what? We're not doing it. We're not doing it after 10 years. <laughs> We're replacing it with, uh, I think it turned out to be kind of video kind of stuff that kids kids could, could play with. Right. Yeah. But, but officially, anyway. officially from uh, 1982 to 1994 was the official official length of it mm-hmm. there. Well, at least Futurecom, maybe okay. this portion of it. All right. The age information tech out. Um, how they, owe, they owe you for they owe you for two years. You need to go back. Oh, to that'd them. be great, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get some royalties on that. <laughs> um, 
So how I'm sure you've got questions on the song and everything. I do. I mean, one of the things, so I, I try to do as much, I try to do as much research as I can. Cause that's just, just who I am. And one of the things that I discovered was that I think you have the first instance of the term smartphone in smart telephone anywhere. You know, I, I was, when I listened to the song recently, I, I, I made a note of that. Um, you know, um, yeah. I mean, smart. I, I don't know where that came from. Whether that was a, a term they gave me, or whether uh, it just because of everything the new phones were going to do, it just sounded like they're going to be smart. And so I may have just may have used it for that reason. I don't really remember how that word got in the song. Yeah, but I, um, it, it, it's interesting. It is. It, it, it is. It's. I mean, it's. It, again, we talk about this all the time. But it's just like, astounding. Like the laundry list of things that we take for granted today from online reservations to shopping at home, you know, secure (laughs) security, email, voicemail, like literally everything is packed into this song. It's yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, they, they told me all this. They said, this is all going to happen, you know? (laughs) And, and, and I said, I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll write about it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, like your phone will be a computer. I noticed that was in the song, right? Um, which who would have thought, you know? And uh, you can make bank deposits and and uh, you know, be, do voicemail and <laughs> for, to listen to a later date and so forth and so on. Yeah, yeah. All, all this true. amazing. And I don't think they were. They probably weren't thinking, you know, wireless at that point. But still, I mean, it's right, right. To me, it's it's amazing how. I mean, they were obviously working on all this technology, and they were probably thinking of use mm-hmm. cases for fiber optics right. and all this stuff that they could do. But oh my goodness, I mean, right. it's right. there are so many future, you know, thinking things that completely missed the mark, and this nailed every aspect <laughs> yeah. of our lives like with the, communication today. It, you mentioned fiber optics, and and in the song, I think there's something about the the sending uh, signal on a thread of glass so small. And uh, that, that I guess is, that's fiber optics. Basically. That is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think what's really, what, what, what resonates so much with us today is that you start off in the song with a newfangled smart telephone and the word mm-hmm. it is then used in a number of the, the different uh, vocalists. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, the whole half of the song is about what we do today too. Right. It's just all, all right there. Um, the other one that gave us a really big chuckle, uh, this goes back um, when we first talked to Lisa, it was the line of, um, uh, "You'll if you want that data, you'll get the data and only the data you need. And that was about two, three months after the whole Facebook data breach and everything. And it was just, <laughs> I mean, that whole line is just exactly what it is. You'll get the data, but the yeah. data you need and the data you're allowed to, <laughs> to see, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So and I had though- no idea what I was writing about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just said, this is what's going to be happening. Just write about it. <laughs> Wait till I tell you, the, the song ended up being about four minutes plus, I think. But the original song, they wanted it to be kind of a a, a moving ramp, you know, through this, through the, uh, through the exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my original song ran was like around seven minutes. Oh, but wow. then when they decided they changed their minds and decided it should be a walkthrough instead. They said, "Well, nobody's going to spend seven minutes, you know, <laughs> looking at this thing because yeah. it, it it had great a lot of detail about all the aspects, you know, the home and then 
um, then the office and then the transportation. So I'd written all these other lyrics about all these other things. In fact, just the other day at my home, I found, I found a, a recording of that original seven minute. Oh, wow. I haven't, oh, I haven't listened the hair, to it. I haven't listened wow. to it. <laughs> the hair on the back of my neck just stood up. <laughs> as yeah. you said anyway, that. So, so after doing all that work and all that recording, we had to go back in the studio and then cut, cut, cut. <laughs> wow. wow. To get it down to the four minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the lyrics coming together with the actual song. And Lisa, please chime in here. You and Howard, more musically, I, I can basically play the Fisher Price xylophone. That's about it. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm curious. I, I don't understand the whole process of making songs. So, Lisa and how fire away. I'd, I'd love to understand that better. I'm just curious were there certain, I'm sure there were certain things that they wanted you to be sure to mention, but it, it is fascinating to, and so interesting to think about going through all of the literature and kind of boiling it down to the essential things that had to be included. And I'm surprised to hear that it was seven minutes long. It must have been so difficult to mm-hmm. decide what it to was. include and what to leave <laughs> out and then how it all fit in with yeah. the visual piece of it, too. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing is that as a songwriter, I wanted it to be hooky. And so, yeah. you know, that the chorus of uh, we're making the world smaller and um, bringing, you know, leading up to bringing the world closer. I wanted there to be sort of a hooky chorus that repeated, which we were able to do. Um, Mission accomplished. And, and, you know, I think it, everybody who hears it gets stuck <laughs> in their uh, head forever. No, that's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, because, you know, Disney World is a place people, you know, families go with their kids. And I thought, well, this should be the kind of thing that, kids can grab onto it so it shouldn't be too complicated even though some of these some of these ideas are complicated but uh, uh, I wanted to, to throw out some of the ideas and then say but we're making the world smaller you know we're bringing the world closer to you in, you know as a, as a hook that would repeat um, Gosh, it, there's you. so much information and it's, it's super catchy too yeah and I, I really oh, love the well, way that this song uh, gets so bright and optimistic just in the mm-hmm. chords you're using and like that whole thing. It really, I don't know, you know, it could be a very dry song, but like you, you hit that chorus and all of a sudden it's like, it's very uplifting. And I, and I think mm-hmm. uh, the listener feels that. So that, that was really nicely done. Well, I also, I think took a cue from, uh, from the design of the folk sculpture that Walter and Naya did. Uh, is, is she your grandmother too yes yeah okay yeah because i got to know them both pretty well i went up to their home oh. uh with with someone from at&t and we had a long meeting and they oh they they made a wonderful lunch for us <laughs> oh. uh, which was great and their home was so interesting it was kind of full of uh, unique things that they had designed and done and uh, to this day and hanging in my office they i had um, i don't know i'd gotten sick and had to go in the hospital for a day or two. It wasn't anything serious, but they did a piece of artwork um, and sent it to me. And to this day, I have it framed up because it's just beautiful. So anyway, they were, they were great to work with. And um, so, but they had, you know, uh, they were starting to get their ideas about what it was going to look like. And then also seeing, maybe they had, I can't even remember now, but they may have had, you know, uh, illustrations or drawings of what they were going to do. And so it, that folk idea too. That's why I made it, you know, the, the song had some of those folky kind of feels, uh, almost country folk, you know, um, mm-hmm. without, so that was an inspiration, you know, 
and and, uh, and how the song got got formed, you know. So did you work pretty closely together? Were you brought in around the same time for this project, or I they they had already been I think they had already been hired to do to do it, and I think they were probably told the same kinds of things you know that I was about what the different features were going to be in the, the, of the future telecommunications. So, um, so I think they had, they had, they were a little bit ahead of me and I think maybe they, they had even, you know, designed some of the things that popped out of the, you, you talked about the little things that popped out of like the, the vest of the father and, and the section about the home and the mother and so forth. So I think some of that had already been decided so that, that helped me, you know, uh, decide what, what to include in the song. So we, you know, there was some back and forth, but, um, and, and they were delightful, just delightful to work with. Mm-hmm. And we exchanged holiday cards for many, many years. <laughs> oh, that, that's awesome. We want to let the listeners know that Walter and I had Einzel were, um, uh, Lisa's grandparents and, uh, they did all the, the work and the design work. Uh, Lisa, real quick, how much, uh, influence and stuff did your grandmother have on it? Did Nyad have on it? You know, this is a little bit new to me because um, my grandfather is credited with with designing the exhibit, mm-hmm. but they did work very closely on just about everything. Um, so it's it's not totally surprising that she would have been involved. Um, mm-hmm. They their styles were so similar that they could mm-hmm. kind of pick up where the other one left off um, for mm-hmm. the whole time that they from pretty much the moment that they met, they were able to, to share work and, and help each other out. Um, so it's, but it is new well, to, to hear that, um, that she was as involved in this. I, and I think that there was yeah. a series of posters that she did, um, for AT&T where she oh, was, really? um, yeah, and I wish I had a picture of those, but, um, when I had a meeting with the first meeting with them, uh, we drove up to their home and, um, I mean, it, it was meeting with the two of them. And so all my contact was always with the two of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was when it was, you know, just being formulated. It wasn't, hadn't been fine, finalized and final design and so forth. But um, I always had the feeling that she, she worked with him very closely. Um, well, they, their desks were side by side. <laughs> and um, my grandfather had a studio that was in a barn that he built that was separate from the house. Mm-hmm. But I think most every job they had, they would um, sort of ask each other for their feedback or just critique mm-hmm. um, their work so far, just generating ideas. Um, I, was, their, I had the feeling maybe that maybe she was involved, the two of them together, when the, so the ideas are being formulated and so forth, but maybe he then did the final executions, especially of the, of the actual sculptor. I didn't yeah. go, but I think one of, one of the AT&T people I was working with mentioned to me now i'm just remembering that he went up Mm. to see it and he did go into this building you're talking about that was you know outside their home right it was like a barn or a barn area uh and and then and they had this meeting with him and he showed them um he showed them the the uh, as it was coming together so Mm -hmm. that's my that's sort of a scant (laughs) recollection (laughs) of, of things but uh and that was probably, Lisa, you had shared some pictures with us, and I sent um, some contact sheets over to Tom so he could see. You had shared us a photo uh, of what we believe is more of a maquette or a, um, a demo installation, only maybe 
eight feet long by maybe four feet high or so. Um, and I think you believe that that's what your grandfather actually created in his workshop in Connecticut, right? Yeah, and then, I think he made a scale model, and then there was a, a, oh. a team of um, designers okay. who built the, the actual exhibit. Yeah, and, and Lisa, I think when we did our original episode, we kind of undersold your grandmother's, uh, mm. like, her career. Because when I was doing research... I think she actually had the art director role, and I can't remember if it was with ABC or CBS first. Well, they had a sweet story of how they met. Um, she was the art an art director at CBS. Okay. And my grandfather had the same job at NBC. And her boss invited him to come in for an interview, mainly because he thought that they should meet each other. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was love at first sight, and they they were inseparable from that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. <laughs> and I remember going to the opening, uh, you know, at, at, at the very opening day, and uh, they were there, and we also were all invited to a dinner AT&T held for all the creators of, you know, of that whole section. And uh, so it was always always fun to to be with them and, you know, get to know them. They were great. So Tom, what year do you remember yeah. starting this? I know Lisa on, on your website, which is uh naiad and walter.com. You, you mentioned 1979 is, is uh, so you were probably coming in more around 1980, 81, somewhere in there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I would say 81. Okay. I don't believe I, what do we, you can tell me what month it opened in 82. I'm talk, talking about, you know, Disney world. I mean, I mean, Epcot, excuse me, Epcot. October, 1982. October, okay. So I I'm, I have a feeling I started in sometime in '81, probably the year gotcha. before. You know, songs go a little quicker than actually building things, I suppose. <laughs> I would imagine, yes. <laughs> and and you were there for the grand opening as well. It sounds like I, I was, yes, I was. Okay, and, uh, fantastic. That was that was exciting. So Lisa, I know you have photos of your trip down there. Are there any photos of your grandfather at the grand opening or anything like that? I know there's you shared us one with. Uh, you and him standing at the Magic Kingdom. That was the only one that I could find. Um, oh, I wish really? there, were, there were more, yeah. It would just be so funny to see Tom and your grandfather like just hanging <laughs> out together. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had a photo of that. I remember reception, and we were all together at a reception. Uh, maybe it was the night before the opening. Uh, it was a several-day event. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. So did you, go to, did you go to the full Epcot opening, and you saw all the different opening ceremonies or was it just for your event or how did that had that happen uh, no it was i well let's see um it was all of epcot i mean it was the opening i think of the whole thing wasn't it and so yes i, w- I was there that day and uh, it was very exciting really i know that 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 pavilion um has a special place in my heart and uh just because i, I remember my grandfather standing in front of it with my little sister dancing on his hip and standing there dancing we've got video of it and uh you know that uh but I, I can only imagine, um, you know, you mentioned a little earlier that, that it was going to be a walkthrough. My sister wouldn't have been able to dance. So tell us a little bit about how this the song was going to be longer. And uh... Well, I think they originally thought they would have like a moving ramp, mm. you know, and that people would stand on the ramp and, and, and it would go at a, at a rate so that, you know, you'd hear what the, the song was talking about and see the sculptor, you know, illustrating that as the ramp moved. But they, the seven-minute song, they, I think they thought it was much too long for a ramp to go, and they changed their minds. They said, no, no, let's, we're not doing a ramp. 
or, you know, a movable ramp. Well, people are just going to walk through at their own pace. And so therefore the song is much too long and you're going to have to cut it back. So I think a, a lot of the lyrics about the section on the office and, are mainly on transportation. I think that was the big section that was cut. Um, oh. Now that, now that we've had this discussion and when I go back home, cause I'm in Florida now and I'm not, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not at my home where I have that, that recording of the seven minute version to try to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> revisit that and see well, what were those lyrics like yeah <laughs> that were left out yeah you in- it's interesting and you can confirm for us whether it was transportation mm-hmm. or not because it almost makes sense with being at&t more about communication and such that that's really the turn that that whole pavilion took right. was about getting in touch with each other right. you know reach right. out and touch someone as we know it's one of the you mm-hmm. didn't happen to write reach out and touch someone did you mm-hmm. was that you no i did not <laughs> the first section there was the home and so that was the first thing that that i wrote i'm pretty sure and then the next section over i believe was, was the office and so that you know about uh sending data medical information and you know um sending data the teleconference calls and things like that um so i think i think you're right those were probably considered by at&t the more important things and that there was i guess also, telecommunications involved in transportation. I don't even, now. I can't remember what those things were, but I must have been. I must have written about them. They, that's probably the section that, yeah, that mostly got cut. If you predicted high-speed internet at thirty thousand feet, I'm going to be just <laughs> <laughs> floored. I already am floored wish, with the lyrics. So. You know, I wish I could take credit for inventing <laughs> some of these things, but no, 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 no. We remember it. That's the key. Yeah. Um, how the, this on this idea of a moving walkway in the speed ramp? How long did the Space Mountain exit take before they took that out? How long was that? That think? was a long. That was a pretty it was long. A long sp- yeah, yeah. That was at least four, five minutes, maybe. I'm trying to right. think because that one had a song that ran with it too. Yeah, yeah. There's another. There? There's another attraction there that uses a speed ramp to take you by show scenes, and there's a, a song that goes along with it. And it's quite a long distance because in that case, mm-hmm. you needed to go underneath the train tracks and then up uh, in into Space Mountain ra- rather than have you like oh, walk yes. a long distance. And then you have to kind of do the same thing to get back out again where the, you go underneath the train tracks and then up and around. So right. they put in a, a home of future living there with uh, with a ramp and a, and a song uh, that RCA sponsored. Um, but I mean... In order to do a moving walkway, I mean, the exhibit space would have had to have been humongous. Uh, You're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That must have dawned on everybody after, you know, I wrote this song and yes, we knew what we were writing about and so forth. But I said, well, let's just, you know, people will not wait around for that if they're walking through. Yeah. And I assume plans in the, yeah, I think plans in the late 70s and early 80s were still a little fluid for those areas. So Mm -hmm. when they finally started to like nail stuff down is is probably when they realized okay we we can't for for budget and space constraints and everything else it's like let's stick to this uh, walk up from a technology standpoint too keeping a song in sync with everybody seeing the right thing at the right time over a moving mm-hmm. walkway i don't know if the technology yeah. for speakers and you know how we talk about what they did on horizons but you were in an in individual vehicle and it had to cut in and out but trying to sync an entire walkway and seeing this the right thing at the right time a static display really was able to cater that to the song well i was thinking about that too because if you got on the ramp and you if, if you were the person who got at the ramp right at the 
as the song began and you were in front of, then you had the perfect show. But if right. you were 10 people down, ev- everything was off. <laughs> so Everything was, all the doors were closed every time I went there. <laughs> right. <laughs> everything stopped moving. Well, it's, so. it's true that, um, that as they talked about the home and some, some of these features, um, the light, it would, it would, you know, lighting would light the, the, uh, the, like the father and the vest would open up and things would come out and it did, it was coordinated. And I would actually wondered myself how, how they did that coordinated the, uh, the audio with some of these cues and someone at some point, I don't remember now quite when this, when I was told this, but that they had a, uh, it was like a disc, a CD disc. And now that was before CDs, I think even came out. And somehow they had a CD disc that, that also could cue the lighting. So everything was automatic. It wasn't, there wasn't somebody there doing that. So that was kind of like they, they were, you know, they were kind of ahead of their time in, in, playing the song on a disc, I mean, a uh, special disc, you know, that, that right. could also do other, other data at the same time. So, so they used a lot um, of laser discs then? And they did, they, it, this was, it was set up on a laser disc. Of some okay. sort. Uh, I never did see it. I was just cold this at one point. Um, and then that's, that's how, you know, it wasn't like audio tape. At right. Time. That was the popular playback thing and and so that wears out and so i think they were looking for something that wouldn't wear out and then they they ended up you know using a a digital uh, on a cd kind of a, a cd type of situation um but i don't think i ever saw it and so i'm kind of imagining what it was <laughs> but uh, um but that's the way it was explained to me so something that could and it and the song did repeat 144 times a day for and played for 10 years so <laughs> Uh, I think somebody told me they had they produced a number of these discs in case one would wear out. There was a problem or it was damaged. Mm. Or they had oh, sure, yeah. Ready yeah, to yeah. Go. I have something else to tell you about. When I would go back and visit the exhibit a couple, two or three years later and meet up with the AT&T people who were, who were basically manning the exhibit and you know helping people out and so forth and so on, <laughs> there was this complaint about, you know, this song plays 144 times a day and we have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> i mean but then the bottom line was they said but then after a while it just sort of became wallpaper you know <laughs> it didn't it, bother us so much but. it's funny i see this thing from cast members where they go through this period of time you know because there's music playing everywhere as i'm sure you realize as, as you go through oh, yeah. the parks okay. and they sure. go through this phase where it's like they come in and it's new and then after a few months you know, it becomes earsome. And then it, after they leave, it's almost like it's this comforting thing that they put on again in the mm-hmm. background to listen to because it reminds them of the good times that they had when they were. I see that comment over and over again mm-hmm. from old cast members who have left. So initially it's annoying. And then after a while, it probably fades out. And then they just pine for it again because it was just such a part of their experience that, yeah. you know, that's what, that's what music is, right? It's something that touches your soul and it becomes yep. part of your emotional being. And it, it's true of that, oh, yeah. to, that as well. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so cool. Do you recall anything about the recording session? Was it a studio that used a lot or singers that you used, you know, quite yeah. often or. Yeah. Do you know the names of the singers too? Um, I probably know most, most of them. Um, yeah, it, it, I use singers like, uh, they're called jingle singers or, you know, studio singers, um, that did a lot of commercials and they did a lot of other work for me. 
uh, Marlene Replank. Um, she also had a, she did a lot of cabaret singing in New York. Um, a couple of Magruders, Charles and June Magruder. Um, Marty Nelson, who's still around. Uh, he actually did the solo in the beginning, and he did a lot of the solo throughout. Uh, Jimmy Campbell, another, he was a very successful jingle singer. He did a lot of Coca-Cola stuff. And there's one other person, and I can't think who that is at this point, but there were, there were six singers on it. And then we did a lot of overdubbing, so they might, on the choruses, they might have sung them two or three times um, to get a big, you know, a big choral sound. Right. And um, and we had a pretty big orchestra. Uh, Billy Replank was the, the orchestrator. The singer, Margaret, <laughs> escaped me. Anyway, oh gosh, she was, oh. A, she was a famous singer from the 40s and 50s. Um, anyway, now I can't think of her last name. I'm sorry about that. Um, but she came to the session. She was there. And um, it was it was a wonderful session. It was great. Well, we we recorded the music first, and then the singers came in and overdubbed the, the vocals. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. Thank. It's amazing that you managed to remember all of that. So, thank you. Oh, Margaret. Excuse me. Yeah, Margaret Whiting. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Margaret Whiting. She was a recording recording artist, and she was the daughter of a famous, um, um, you know, band leader musician uh, from the 30s and the 40s so she was at the session fantastic yeah well there we just we just answered we just opened up a whole nother can of worms for me explore now of who who all these people were and all the other things that they did so thank you that's that's incredible yeah lisa it was funny i was i was looking here and and i just i I go down rabbit holes when we talk and i just i didn't realize this that your your grandparents were the first husband and wife team to create a postage stamp as well. The 1973 8-cent progress that's in right. electronics with a circuit board on it, which we yes, have a circuit board oh, in, wow. in the... It's so cool. So now I want to look at the circuit board. This is where I really geek out. I want to look at the circuit board of the stamp and see if there's any relation to the circuit board in the event. I'm sorry. And, the, you know, I the, think uh, one of the stamps was um, had to do with recording technology. Oh, really? Did they do multiple? I think there were four. There might have been oh, okay. one that was either radio or recording technology. I can try to look it up right now, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I found the circuit board one, which is which is really interesting, and I, I remember there being a a circuit board in the in the AT and T exhibit, which was which was really cool. So, and so I'm already on Margaret Whiting, who was her <laughs> father. Her father Richard wrote "Hooray for That's Hollywood." Right, Richard Whiting. We got the mud oh, yes. and on the good ship right. lollipop. <laughs> and <laughs> okay. her, sis- her sister much. Barbara was an actress and a singer. Uh, and her aunt Margaret Young was a singer and popular recording artist in the 1920s. So, yeah. Yes, she fan- did a lot of recording. And, and oh you can gosh. still, on some radio stations yeah. that play oldies, you, you still hear her recordings. And, and she was wow. really a terrific singer. She was great. Oh, my gosh. She's got a whole bunch of number one hits. Number Tree in a Meadow, number one, 1948. Uh, slipping mm-hmm. around, number one in 1949. Oh my god! Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's a that's so she was still out doing gigs at that time. She wasn't. She wasn't a singer. She just. She was a friend of Marlene Replank, who oh, was one okay. of our singers. Gotcha. Oh. And Marlene Replank had invited had invited her to session because Marlene's husband was the uh, orchestrator. Okay. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. Oh my gosh. Now, how many takes did yeah. do songs like this normally take when you're in the studio you know, with the orchestra? I mean, it's 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 time consuming and it's expensive, I'm sure, to have everybody there. So, is this something that you were able to knock off in a day? Or um, 
yes, we certainly we recorded the uh, the orchestra in one day, and I believe we brought the singers in uh, the next day. Okay. And you know, um, it takes a while not a, not a long while, but the, the the New York musicians are are so fast and really good at just reading stuff off the page and making it sound like they've reversed it for years. And so, you know, they'd have to, they, they do like a couple of run throughs of a song. And then usually after a couple of run throughs, uh, they would, they would, they would have it. And, but sometimes we'd record it in sections, like we might do the first minute and a half stop mm-hmm. and then, then do the next minute or so. And then later on, edit it together so that they could rehearse the section and then record it and, it, it varied, but see, the song had these different feels, kind of you know, different different feels as it went along. So uh, that made it a little easier. Right. All of a, all of a sudden, it, you're throwing the da 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 in Adam and Oh yeah. And then with the singers, the same thing. They they would come in and they hadn't seen the music ahead of time at all, and we would gather around the piano and plunk out some of the notes, but they all could read it right off the page. You know, after you know rehearsal or two run through, they would have it, and then they'd start to record. And then, for something that wanted you wanted to replace something, or you know, it, uh, you can just like we always kind of punching in. So we would, you know, you'd play that what they'd done, and then if you wanted to replace a, you know, a lyric or a word or a phrase, you would just punch in that they'd just be recording, you know, and then and then punch out so that then when you play it back, it sounded like it was all done in one performance. So usually you get the first take with the singers. And then a lot of times we, on the choral stuff, we would double it or triple it. And um, then you, then once they had a version of it, then the doubles and the triples would go really fast, but the whole process, and it was a long song, you know, the original was seven minutes. So, you know, it was, it was a good long session. It was probably three or four hours. And then we go back and, either that day later mix or the next or the following day. It was, it was a project that took several days. Were you able to edit the, uh, the original seven minute recording down or did you have to re record? No, we were able to edit it. We were able to edit it. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was good. And and I don't know if you even need to hear this or not, but one of the reasons why the song starts with a fade up, you Ah. know, it's like the orchestra fades up. Is, oh, yeah. is because we were, I mean, I think I'd written a whole lot of stuff, you know, when the song began, you know, and we just wow. weren't able to preserve that and do a proper edit to get it down to the four minutes. So that wow. I was never very happy about that, but, you know, uh, nobody really seemed to notice or care that much. And, um, but to this day, I hear that. I say, hmm, I wish we hadn't had to do that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm going to have to listen for it's, that because no, I there. didn't I mean, notice that. <laughs> well, it's, maybe it's a subtle thing, and I only hear it because I was there. <laughs> well, if you <laughs> know the it's there, I'm sure it stands the, out to you. The <laughs> orchestra comes in very quickly, and it kind of like fades up as opposed to being a, you know, a clean, really clean start. It's a fade oh. up. And because we had to like go in on a section, that, and they, mm-hmm. you know, at t did not want to bring an orchestra back just to record a few things here. They just thought we could we can edit. Come on, you guys can edit that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know does that does that full fade up exist on the seven minute version? No, I'm sure it doesn't. No, I I, I mean okay. I, I say I, I haven't heard that 
since 1980. It's so long. <laughs> but, wow. but I anyway, wonder if uh, something... I, I presume it had a clean start. And there might have been a key change or something, so it was just impossible oh, yeah. to, you know, um, it was impossible to try to put it together and include the original, very, the very opening of the song. And so I, I, you know, it's sort of, this is all very vague in my head right now, but uh, anyway, I was ultimately pleased with the way it mm. was edited. I, mean, I think it was fine. You know? I wonder if now with advances in recording technology, if it would have been possible mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. you know, in Pro yeah. Tools versus... Maybe, yeah, maybe more so in the fact that you can change keys so easily now. Um, oh, that's true, yeah. Buttons, you know, the, Auto-tune. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, it, uh, and an unlimited amount of tracks to record things on. And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, even back then, though, I... I I think we had at least 24 tracks and that seemed like a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. What could we possibly need 32 for? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was before digital. Yeah. Oh, it was be- okay. So this was all analog. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely real to real tape. Yeah. Do you know where the original recordings live? Is that something that you have like all the actual, I know, probably uh, in my basement, I have a tapes. basement full of <laughs> a mm. huge, bookshelf but it's all these 24 tracks and you know uh 16 track tapes that are doing no good whatsoever but i don't want to throw them away (laughs) (laughs) well before you throw them away please donate them to will we'll listen to them we promise (laughs) if if there's anybody around that can even play them the only the problem too is these old tapes uh they um sometimes they won't play back you know that, that you have to bake them you yeah, know, you have to go to a special, mm. you know, <laughs> uh, place to bake them and to get them to play. So, uh, but I haven't. There's been no reason for me to to revisit some of the stuff and you know and go bake it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have this. It's actually a. Um, it's an LP of the seven minute version. I just saw it just wow. recently uh, in my basement. So that's that would be pretty pretty well preserved. I would think so. That's, I can probably have that oh, wow. trans- transferred to a digital format. I was going to say, pe- people have encouraged me, you know, from time to time, people who are fans of the song, get it out there, you know, put it on iTunes, yeah. get it, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. This but is instead, the... I just put it on my website. I just did my website last <laughs> year. And uh, that, is that how you, that's how you found me, right? That is how we found you, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because out of you know so much of the music from the park from Epcot, you know, it was either on the official album or put, but like your song was the one that was not ever ever <laughs> included yeah. with any of the official Disney releases. So it's it's become you know kind of like this uh, holy grail for for a lot of us. Yeah, we, uh, should, we should have a talk with them about that. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> that, remi- that reminds me. Uh, when when I first wrote the song, I went for the opening. They had AT and T had created a plaque. They put us kind of on the side of the exhibit. Gave credits to the Einsels and um, or maybe it was to Walter. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then you know music and lyrics by Thomas Tierney. Uh, blah blah blah. So um, but then the next thing you know, uh, my contact at AT and T said, well, AT said that Disney actually didn't want to give credit to anybody. Um, so they made them remove mm-hmm. the, the credit plaque. So that was it. Wow. The, yeah. And the only surviving information that we have that actually gave credit to Einzel was, was it on blueprint? No, now? it was, I think it, was, it was Lisa's video. Oh, there were two things. Oh, actually, that's right. Yeah. Her there were two things. Said. Your video, 
said Einzel Theater on it, and then on the yeah. cast member, um, on like the training sheets they would give people, it was designated mm-hmm. as the Einzel Theater, at least so they could refer to it, you know, internally as something. Mm-hmm. But oh, other, yeah. yeah, other than that, though, it had no, there was no official designation, you know, like you said, I, that would have been nice to see that plaque before it yeah. disappeared yeah. because. But- uh, that's that's very typical of, of Disney, though they they want to own everything. Yes, and, it is. Uh, you know, so the fact that AT and T had commissioned me to do it and basically paid for it uh, somehow, they you know. However, the day that I went for the opening, they had a group of performer singer dancers who did a whole big song and dance presentation about the whole, of all of Epcot, but they included in that uh, portion of my song that they sang for the for the very very opening when you when you first entered the park. And so, you know, my song was included there. So they, they did, they actually did. Oh, fantastic. But they nodded. That's cool. My way cool. here, here and there. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of your song, what I'd like to do uh, for you now, Thomas, I, I have the MP3 here of Lisa's performance. Oh, at no. Our Magic event back in. <laughs> yes. No, we are going to play it, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, we, we received a, many, many compliments on, on the song. Um, and, uh, now, uh, so I'd love to play it here. So Tom, you can hear it for the first time and our listeners can, you know, who weren't at the event can certainly hear it. Um, so with your permission, Tom, we'd, we'd love to play this and, and let you hear yeah, uh, not- Lisa's rendition of bringing the world closer to you. Now mom and dad and junior can own a newfangled smart It's amazing all the things it can do As it brings the world closer to you You can sit right there in your easy chair And check the stock report On a screen at home Make plans to roam to your favorite ski resort It'll bring the world closer to you There's a wonderful change coming, a beautiful day dawning, a miracle we're seeing come true. Cause the age of information is sweeping across the nation and bringing the world closer to you. It'll call the cops on with their homework It will hook your home to your office Send your heartbeat clear across town It will give you all kinds of freedom Like when you want to go shopping It'll bring the store to your front door It's the handiest thing around And it brings the world closer to you And it's making the world better It's making the world Giving the world something brand new Cause the age of information Is sweeping across the nation And bringing the world closer to you Now the miracles have only begun And the places where our business gets done of two 
moving with electronic speed. You will talk to two or quite a few on a teleconference call. And the chips are sorting and the data's moving on a thread of glass so small. As it brings the world closer to you, your phone will be a computer. It will make your bank deposits. It will mail your voice like a letter where it can wait to a later date to communicate. So we're making the world better. We're making the world smaller. We're bringing the world something brand new. Because the age of information is Traveling and your words are moving and the wires are humming a song and the world is changing and the country's changing so won't you come along on this wondrous journey to the information across the nation and bringing the world closer to you closer to you closer to you bringing the world closer to you Lisa Bastoni. Thank you so much. Yay. Oh, yes. that's wonderful. My gosh, that was oh, great. Oh, thank you. Oh, and you really you hit all the melody. It was just right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, that's that's tough to do. No, I can I can see that it's, it would be hard to hard to sing that song. That, but it's you did a great job. Really nice. Oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much. Yeah, I all the little laughs I think is where you were trying to like find your place in the with the video. Me and yeah. trying to keep track of where I was. <laughs> that was hard. Oh, oh sure. Sure. <laughs> Lisa, you got tweeted out a number of times. I know I, I had a couple people actually ask me after the event, can I get a copy of that? Oh really? <laughs> and uh yeah, one of one of uh, one of my friends who, who was there, actually Jim Lemus, he was one of our VIPs. I I, I gave him the MP three and um he actually uh, he sings he sings along to it to put his daughter to sleep. Aww, sometimes, so that's sweet. Yep. Well, that's nice. So it's neat. Well, this has been a, quite a little adventure back in time, and and really bringing a lot of different people together. We're bringing the world closer to you through <laughs> podcasts, I guess, and, <laughs> and and finding stuff. So, um, so Tom, this has been great. We're 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 really interested in the seven minute version. So oh, we'll, we'll okay. let our listeners know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's I'll definitely something I, I think out. our listeners and. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, and Lisa, it's wonderful to have you back on, on the show as well. And uh, I know we've still got a little thing, a couple little things to do. We've got to scan some more artwork and different things that you've got. And uh, we're looking forward to doing that in, in a little bit as well. Um, and maybe you'll make a studio version. Maybe we'll see this. Uh, hit the Billboard Top 100. Here <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's a quite pertinent song, too. The world's changing, the smartphone and... The country's changing. It certainly is. So um, 
that's uh, yeah. really, really t- quite a time. Tom, are you still active? Is there anything yeah. that you want to uh, promote while we, while we have the opportunity to oh, listeners? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I, I started out being a songwriter interested in musical theater and writing shows. And uh, uh, But that's, when I came to New York, I started getting hired to, to do shows for companies, really. And then that took me into so many different styles and, you know, uh, so forth but uh, anyway i've I've written uh you know several musicals and one is called eleanor and america love stories about the young lives of eleanor and frank and roosevelt and that's going to be playing at the media theater in media pennsylvania which is right outside of philadelphia um starting i think it's january 29 through february 23rd something like that so um Anyway, it's played around the country at the Ford's Theater and so other places. And I have a musical, Narnia, based on the line in the Wish in the Wardrobe. It's played all over the country and really in London and many other places. But anyway, and that's uh, actually playing right now in Atlanta, in Georgia, at the Serenby Playhouse in a, in, in immersive style. <laughs> so, cool. So that's a couple, couple of wow. musicals I've written that are, that are you know out there being performed and and then I have a bunch of stuff that I'm writing and the new new things too. So fantastic. Anyway, and we I keep at it. Excellent. And we do have quite a few people from the theme park industry that listen to the show. So if you guys need a song for any attractions you're working on, Tom is oh still available. Right. <laughs> oh sure, I'm writing all the time, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and if just exactly, you know, if, if exactly. you want to use the song in some way, I mean the the actual recording, I don't know why you couldn't, you know, play it. Right, right. That's that true. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know who owned it when we were doing our research. We're like, oh. what can we do with this? I don't know. <laughs> so well, we're glad we found you. And well, I'm glad you found me too. This yeah. a lot of- and Lisa, how about you? You have a new album, right? I do have a new album. Um, it came out in September, and it's called How We Want to Live, and it's available everywhere. Well, on Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, uh, through my website, uh, lisabastoni.com. So we'll... We'll look out to both of your websites in, in the show notes uh, for you know, the article that goes along um, with, with this episode uh, so that we get some new listeners and uh, maybe some people attending your your uh, music events uh, all around the country because uh, you're on tour as well, right, Lisa? You've got some shows coming up. I'm looking. You, I have yeah. been. This fall was very busy. It's slowing down a little bit, but um, you know, pick up again next spring probably. Um, and then I'll be around the Northeast. But yeah, if you're in the Massachusetts region, you're if she's in there in your neighborhood, and uh, well, we really appreciate you uh, both joining us tonight. This has been a great little uh, look back in time, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna end the show with the original cut of the song, Tom, so that our listeners can compare the two. And uh, we really thank you for your time. And uh, oh well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Look forward to speaking with you in the future. Well, absolutely. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for everybody for joining us tonight. Have a great night. Also, don't forget to catch us next month in 2020, where we enter the year of the film. How is deep in research uh, in his own memories for the Backlot Tour. So episode 55 is guaranteed to be a good one. I'm excited about it. We've got all sorts of new video footage of it. Um, so how any real quick hints on what how we're, how deep we're going to go? I know we're, I know we're going to kind of line up with galaxy's edge too but where where else are we going yeah so we i mean we're, we're gonna hit all the big guys we're gonna look at the the boneyard we're gonna look at Ooh. catastrophe canyon uh 
gosh. I, the queue for me, because it's still yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're primarily going to focus on the Backlot Tour. So that'll be starting over by the Disney Animation Studios and then going through... Uh, going through... Um, a wardrobe. Gosh, wardrobe and the bungalows and then... Ran on over to uh, to Catastrophe Canyon and the, all that good stuff. The water and tank New York, and New York Street, you couldn't walk New York on it Street, yet. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll we'll take a really good uh, look at Residential Street and all the different houses and their architectural styles, and then we'll talk about where all that stuff is today in relation to Galaxy's Edge and uh, the Toy Story Land. That's right. Now watch the tram doors are coming down, so watch out on those. And if you look off to the right-hand side of the tram, you can see the interior of a Delta Airlines. This has been used for many commercials over the years, filmed as we exit the tunnel. We'll tell you more next month. How's laughing? He remembers that part That's of the right. tour. <laughs> Got to drop that Passenger 57 reference in there. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Give us a shout-out on iTunes, a review if you can. We'll be back with you next month, Episode 55, The Backlot Tour. We'll see you then. And with that, Brian, take us out. Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at LBV History and on the web at lbvhistory.org. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro WDW on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Retro WDW. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at retrowdw.com. On Twitter, follow our web designer, Jason Bartell of Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, on Twitter and Instagram, at GoAwayGreen. And on the web at KingdomOfMemories.com. For JT Couser on Twitter, at LS1JT. On YouTube at Rubber City Motoring. And on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, a nonprofit, nonpartisan, tax exempt 501c3 organization, and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities. Closer to-